0: To the Gospel of John, John chapter one. I Want to share a few things with you this morning. The title of my message is "Why Are We Here?" And you may have that may sound familiar, like uh, Pastor, you've preached a message on this before. But the, the bottom line is, this kind of message needs to be preached on a, on a regular basis so we don't forget while we're here. Mark chapter one. I'm going to share verses fourteen through fifteen. And, and while you're turning there, I want to share with you guys that I really. This week, I really got uh, <clears throat> got an idea how some of you guys might feel. Uh, you feel it incorrectly, but it's how you, some of you guys might feel when I tell some of my jokes. Uh, because my jokes, whether you want to admit it or not, are funny, you know? <laughs> Ran into this fella. never met him before. He's uh, one of my aunts, my, my mom's youngest sister's fiance. And granted, the guys, you know, he's been not been with the family for that long. They've known each other for about a year. So I, I realized it was the first time he was with a bunch of family, of our family. And so he's trying to, overly hard to fit in, you know. And we, we'd been talking, and he left a while, came back, and comes up, and he, he slaps me between the shoulders, and he goes, Hey, John, guess who's back? And I knew exactly what he was getting at. And I'm, and I'm like, but I played down, I'm like, Who? you are, you know, who's back, he's patting me on the back, you know, and I'm like, who, and he goes, you are, and I'm like, what, and he goes, pat, 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 who's back, like, who, you are, I'm like, what, and he just starts laughing, and finally, like, he couldn't understand, I didn't get it, and finally, I looked at him, and I said, yeah, I get it, it just wasn't funny, <laughs> you know, like I said, unlike when, uh, when I tell my jokes to you guys, y'all just don't have as sophisticated a sense of humor, I guess, as, as I do. Amen? Oh, wow. Okay. I was, I was expecting complete silence on that one. Amen. Mark chapter 1, I'm going to share verses 14 and 15, and, and, and uh, if you stand out of reverence to God's word, please. What did I say? Both? Mark? 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 Yes. He's too busy being funny he can't remember where he's supposed to be reading. Mark chapter 1 verses 14 and 15. Now after this occurs after Jesus, it's the beginning of Jesus' ministry just after he's been tempted by Satan in the wilderness. Verse 14 we read, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. We see two times in two verses the gospel. We talked about last week that the, another word for the gospel is good news. The question is, why are we here? Why did God keep us here after he saved us? He kept us here so that we could share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with other folks. You may be seated and you might be saying, okay, well, that's why, if that's why we're here, why?" That, that's the word, let's just dismiss and go home now. But I need to earn my paycheck, so we'll stay here a little bit. Now, just to, just to again, give you a little bit of background, Jesus had been tempted in the wilderness. And, of course, he beat Satan in all those challenges. But one of the other Gospels tell us about the fact that John the Baptist, who had baptized Jesus, was in prison. And John was probably thinking, you know what? I've been doing all of these things, getting ready for Jesus to come. You know, I was telling the world to repent. I was telling the world that the Messiah was coming. I even got to baptize him, and he's out there now doing all these things, and I'm in jail, and it looks like I'm gonna die. Was I wrong? And in one of the other gospels, it says, so John sent a couple of his his disciples, excuse me, to Jesus and said, Are you the one or should we be looking for another? And 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 Jesus said, Well, go back and tell John that the blind are seeing. The lame are walking. The the, the, the dead are are being raised back to life. And and he he also goes on in in one of the other gospels to allude to the fact that the the good news of the kingdom has come. And so he was telling John, you know what, you've not believed in vain. What you're going through is not in vain. There's a plan and there's a purpose for all of it. There's a plan and there's a purpose for our lives. You hear me ask so many times, but I I just feel like I have to keep asking it because we need to keep being reminded of it. When God saved us, why did he just not take us to heaven then and there? Why wasn't it the moment we we came to God and said, God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me for my sin. And and I want Jesus to become my Lord and Savior. Man, why weren't we just translated to heaven right then and there? There's got to be a reason that he left us here. The Westminster, Westminster Catechism tells us that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Part of the way we glorify God, or I should say the way we glorify God because we're left on this earth, is to share the good news with people. We're left here not to to, to work 20, 30, 40 years, build up a, a big retirement plan and and you know move to Jamaica or or have a home here and a a home in in Myrtle Beach or in the mountains or something like that it's not all about being left on this earth to accumulate as much as we get just so we can live the the good life we are left here on this earth for one reason and one reason only that's to glorify God and that's to glorify God by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and so what we want to take a look at this morning is is number one review what the good news is but secondly take a look at ourselves and through this message ask ourselves am I doing is what I'm doing is what I'm thinking is what I'm believing is what I'm living is what I'm showing people the good news of Jesus Christ am I pointing people to Jesus or am I or am I pulling them away from Christ the first thing we want to take a look at is is to review what the good news is Jesus said in in verse uh The Bible says in verse 14 that that Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Well, what's the good news of the kingdom of God? The good news of the kingdom of God was that it wasn't a political or secular kingdom that Jesus came to set up. See, so many people, even His disciples at first, believed that the reason Christ came to this earth was to set up a secular kingdom that he was going to be the king. He was going to be the military leader that was going to, to, to be their leader and break Israel out of bondage from Rome. And they would set themselves up as, as their own nation again. But what Jesus came to, 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 to set up was was a kingdom of love, not a kingdom of subjugation. He, he came, you know, he, he didn't come to set up a, a secular worldly kingdom. Rather, he came to set up a universal spiritual kingdom. He came to set up a kingdom not of law, but of humility and grace. A kingdom not of pride, but a kingdom for all men. Not only the Jews, but anybody who voluntarily received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. See, what was going on back in that day and time is most people, including the Jews, including some of His own disciples most of the time, they saw Jesus as a miracle worker who occasionally preached. They saw Jesus as a miracle worker who occasionally preached. And you know, things aren't too different today. Most people who even acknowledge Jesus today acknowledge Jesus and want Jesus for the things that He can do for them or the things that He can get them. Whether it's for physical healing or financial security or peace of mind or, or to get that spouse to straighten up or, or to bring that wayward child back. They, they want Jesus for what He can do to make their lives better and easier as opposed to wanting Jesus for who He is and for who He, for who he was and who He is, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and our God. Things haven't changed a whole lot, haven't changed a whole lot. The good news, the gospel of Christ isn't Him doing these things, but that, that that He brought with Him the forgiveness of sins and a relationship, the way to a relationship with God. All the other things that might come about because of and after that are just extra blessings. Jesus came to save me from my sins, to heal me, if you were, if you will, from being dead. The Bible says that before Christ we're dead but Christ comes into us and, and, and we become alive. You know Christ came to save me to heal me if you will from my sinfulness. If he chooses to heal me physically or emotionally or mentally because of that guess what? As my old football coaches used to say that's just gravy. That, that, that's extra. If, if God decides to bless me or bless us with a job where we're making more money than, than, than what we know to do with. You know That's extra. That's extra blessing. If He gives us a nice house, you know, nice things. And I'm not denying anybody any of those things. But we need to see these things for what they are. If we're blessed with those things, that's not the main reason why Jesus came. Jesus came to save us from our sins. All these other things are just ways He chooses to bless us. Now, why He chooses to bless some with more material things, or some with better health, or some with quote-unquote better families, than others i don't know that's god's prerogative but you know what it was driven home you've heard me say many many times i used to i used when i was a young kid a kid and a teenager i always swore when i got married because of the way i was raised when i got married man we were going to be like the cleavers you know, i'd be ward my wife whoever she was going to be tammy would be june The kids would be fine, and you know what, within a half half an hour, whatever minor problems we'd have, because they only had minor problems, they'd be fixed. But you know what, it didn't take very long to realize that that's a fictional story. I mean, I I was up there, and and this is time. I'm not just rambling, I'm tying into God blessing us. With, with, with families and everything. It, it hit home to me again this week that there's no such thing as a normal, typical family. We've all got problems. We've all got skeletons in our closets. closets. We've all got things we've got to deal with. I've got an aunt and, and an uncle up there that had not spoken to each other for 20 years. The last five or 10 years, they've gotten back together. You know, So they're, they're talking again. But for 20 years, over something trivial rent they hadn't spoken to each other. My my uncle that died and some of his siblings, they always had kind of a maybe a little bit of a jealousy because he seemed to be the one that had it all together. And when when he passed his 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 wife was hugging one of my uncles and she said, Don't forget we're family. Once this is all over with don't forget we're family. Well, the minute my mom and my brother and I and, and my uncle and his wife, we, we, we went out to eat and, and he's like, what, 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 what does she mean? Don't forget we're family. She's never treated me like family the whole time I've known her. You know, I mean, people do stuff like that. And, and you know what? Particularly if we know Christ as Lord and Savior, you know, we need to get beyond that. When we're in a situation, and I am rambling a little bit now, chasing a rabbit, and I wore that shirt again the other day, by the way. When somebody's laying there, well, it was his ashes because he was cremated, and is dead, and you realize whether you were alive 72 years or 82 years or 102 years or two years, you realize how brief life is, why in the world do you always have to look for something negative? You know, Christ came and Christ died to get us over that that piddly little stuff. Those piddly little things that aren't going to matter to, to, to a hill of beans. God came, Jesus came in the flesh to give us the good news that there's forgiveness of sin. I can make you a new creation. I can take you out of your sin. I can take you out of your anger, out of your sin, out of your hate, out of your prejudice out of whatever it is it is sin against me, even though you might be thinking, well, you've got this against somebody. If you hate somebody else, guess what? You hate God. Because if you hate somebody else, you're hating somebody that was created in the image of God and that Jesus loved so much, He went to the cross to die for. But yet we get caught up in all these, these piddly little things, and the good news is Jesus came to save us out of all of those things if we would just allow Him if we just allow him to do it. Again, the good news, the gospel, isn't him doing all these extra things for us. The good news is him dying for our sins and making a way for us to get to God. Jesus said in verse 15, Repent. He says, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The good news, Jesus was telling them, was here. The good news, I mean, the good news was near. Folks, the good news is near for us. In other words, It was within the reach of the people that saw and heard Jesus back in that day. But it's within our reach now. It's within our reach. The good news was that the kingdom of God is within our reach. And the good news is there's nothing that we can do to achieve it or to earn it or to deserve it. Because we can't do anything to achieve it. We can't do anything to earn it. We can't do anything to deserve it. The Bible tells us that our righteousness, our good works are as filthy rags. The good news was that God was not only near, but was going to do what only He could do to make people right with His heavenly Father. Jesus died on the cross and shed His blood. He died on the cross to pay to take our punishment. Because the Bible says we're all sinners worthy of death. He shed His blood to cover our sins so that when we turn from our, our old life and we turn to Jesus and God looks at us because of the blood of Jesus, He doesn't see us. He doesn't see our sin, but He sees a reflection of His Son, Jesus Christ. So the good news Jesus was saying was there. But we also need to see a couple of things that to receive the good news, one needs to repent. That means we need to see things the way God sees them, turn from our old life, turn from our old ways, Turn from our old sin and turn to God in His life and His ways. People have been trying since the fall of Adam and Eve to get to God on their own. And we've not been able to do it. The good news again spoke, speaks not of works but of repentance. People see, again, us seeing ourselves for who we really are and turning to a God who loves us and says, I'm making a way for you to come to me. Repentance means going in the same direction that God's going in. And not in the direction we desire to go in. And he goes on. And we we also see here. He says, "Repent and believe in the gospel to receive the good news." One has to believe. And this word "believe" here in the Greek comes from a, a, a comes from the word "pestio" or pistuo. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And it means this. Not believe isn't just an intellectual assent. I believe George Washington was the first president of the United States. Does it make my life? in the big scheme of things, any different right now? No. He lived over 200 years ago. But rather that Greek word, pistuo means not agreement or head knowledge of the mind. It means agreeing in a relationship of trust and dependence. I believe that Jesus is exactly who He said He was, so I am going to trust in Him. I'm going to trust in Him to save me. I'm going to trust in Him to get me through each day. I'm going to depend on Him to lead me and to guide me and to take care of me and to provide for me as long as I walk this earth. And I'm going to trust and depend on Him to have a home waiting for me in heaven one day. One biblical scholar said, there are many people who believe the gospel, but they do not believe in it. The gospel was an an appeal not only to accept it as an intellectually accurate statement, but to rest in it, to repose in it. It was a call to let the heart find ease in it. The call of the gospel is repentance and salvation of sin through Jesus Christ and allowing Christ to take our burdens. Allowing us to put on Christ's yoke, if you will. Yoke, meaning a reference to the yokes they used to put on oxen. And just to give you. A little idea, a little bit of an idea, of what he what he means there. Whenever a farmer had a had a, a an, had had a, a yoke of oxen, two oxen, and he would always pair an older, more experienced oxen ox with a younger one, a younger, weaker one, a, an older, more mature, stronger one with a younger, weaker one. That way, as they were going, and this is what discipleship is all about. I won't get into that. But somebody's saying, come alongside with me and walk this road with me. The more experienced oxen, the yoke for that younger oxen was light. Because that older oxen took most of the burden of it. And as, as he plowed, as they plowed, the younger oxen learned from the older oxen. Jesus tells us to take his yoke. In other words, I'm stronger, I can handle it. You, you, yoke, you, you join with me, give me your burdens. And I can carry them. Give me your heartaches. Give me your hurts. Give me your problems. And I can can carry them. And and y'all got to bear with me this morning, okay? One of the great things about our Celebrate Recovery ministry is that we see this in action week after week, after week. We, we've been, April is our, our sixth month. And it's been going, it's been steadily going. But, but we see week after week people that, that are allowing other people to be Jesus in their lives. And they're unloading their burdens with, with fellow believers that, that our attitude is, you know what, we might not be able to take the problem away. We might not be able to solve the issue. Only God can do it. But we can be Jesus in the flesh and listen to you and empathize with you and walk this walk with you as you're dealing with your habits, your hurt, your habits, your hang-ups, and your sin. And folks, I'm going to tell you right now, the people that I have seen that have been, been sincerely and earnestly for lack of a better term, working the program, I have seen more spiritual growth in these folks than any people that I've seen spiritual growth in in, in my entire ministry career. And the reason it's happening is because they they are, if you will, getting down and dirty with what the good news means. They're, They're working it out. They're walking it out. They're sharing it day by day. And, and a lot of that is, what, is the good news that, that Jesus preached, that, that the kingdom of God is, is, is within reach. But we also need to realize that God puts people in our lives to be Jesus in the flesh to help us work out and, and to walk out this gospel, to, to walk out this good news. So I kind of got ahead of myself realizing what the good news is. Well, how, how are we to live out the gospel? How are we to live out the good news practically? how are we to live it out in our everyday lives because God never intended for it to be you come to church on Sunday morning and then we go out and we're a bunch of secret agents during the week nobody sees any difference in us you know but Sunday morning we all of a sudden come in and, and 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 check in with 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 the boss and and get our secret agent assignments and head back out the door like 007 or something we're called to live it out we're here to have more than good manners and to be moral. See, a lot of folks think, man, if, I, if, if I'm not rude to people, if, I'm, if, if I act like I'm ethical, if I act like I'm moral, then, you know, I, I must be all right with God. But what we need to realize is that there are many ethical, moral, good-mannered, lost people in the world today. And unfortunately, there's so many of us that claim the name of Christ that live such godless lives that lost people have been led to believe that they're just as good as the Christians are. And so these people feel they must be right with God too. Well, after all, this one said that he's a Christian, but I see how he lives his life. Man, I saw him, saw him steal 20 bucks out of the cash register yesterday, but, but he says he's a Christian. Well, I'm, I'm just as good as they are, so I must be right with God too. But see, the Bible tells us you will know them by their fruits. And in my humble, but I believe accurate opinion, the so called Christians these lost people are comparing themselves to probably aren't Christians to begin with. Or they don't believe, or these lost folks don't believe that there's a God because if there were, definitely his followers would be living different lives than what they're living now. If there really was a God, surely His followers would be living their daily lives different than the way that that they're living them now. And if that's you here this morning, or me here this morning, don't blame it on grace. And what I'm getting at is don't say, well, you know what? God saved me by grace and I'm, I'm saved by grace. I'm forgiven by grace. Grace, Yes, sir, you're right. Every single bit of that is true. But the Bible says, do, should I, Paul said in Romans, should I, and I'm paraphrasing, should I sin so that grace may abound? And he said, definitely not. And there's so many people that claim the name of Jesus Christ that don't want to live any kind of life that comes close to looking what a life that a Christian should be living and we want to fall on grace all the time. Folks, some of us are going to stand in front of God one time and He's going to look one day and He's going to look at us and say, you have no idea what grace is because you never received it. Because if you had received it, you would have lived your life a whole lot differently than what you lived at. Depart from me, for I never knew you. The question for us as we're living the gospel out is are we leading people towards Christ or away from Christ by how we day to day live out the good news? Are we hurting, those of us that claim Christ as Lord and Savior, are we hurting the cause of Christ and the good news either by our silence, by not saying anything, or are we hurting it by our lifestyle? By the way we live day to day? How are you sharing the good news? And folks, keep in mind, you know what? You can fool me. You can fool your Sunday school teacher. You can fool other folks in church on Sunday morning acting one way. But you know what? God sees the heart and God knows what we do the minute we walk out these doors. Amen. Abraham Lincoln one time said "You can fool all the people some of the time. Some of the people all the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. You should have added to that, you can't fool God none of the time. We're here to have more than good manners and to be moral. We're here to live out the Bible. My next question would be, how biblically literate are you? How much of the scriptures do you know? Because it's hard to live out what God's called us to do if we don't know what's in His Word to begin with. So many of us are content to just walk in, if you will, the door of salvation and then we just plop ourselves like a back row Baptist in the very first seat we come to. And I'm not making judgment calls. I can't do that. God's the only one that can judge. But, but if you're just content to, to, to just sit in the doorway of salvation, if you have no desire to know more about God, to know more about his word, to worship God, to be more conformed to the image of God, you got to ask yourself the question, am I truly saved? According to LifeWay Research, just three out of five people read their Bibles at least weekly. In other words, people that claim to know God, claim to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, three out of five of them read their Bible one time a week. Just, just one time. That's not at least one time, maybe more, as they read it one time. And the rest of the folks surveyed didn't, didn't even read it that often. And you know what? I, I, I firmly believe that that statistic is probably exaggerated out of shame and embarrassment. Even though the folks that did the survey, they didn't have their names down there. They figured, well, maybe if I fudge it a little bit, it'll it'll, it'll, it'll look better. Maybe I'll get some brownie points with God. We're also here to share the gospel. Statistics also bear out and There have been several studies done, so some of you may have heard different numbers. Statistics also bear out that that only about one out of ten people will ever share the gospel with somebody their entire lives. One out of ten people. Say we got 80 people in here today. Eight of us will share the gospel one time in our entire lives. The vast majority won't share it at all. There will be some that will share it more often than, than, than once. Well, you say, well, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a Sunday school teacher, I'm not a deacon, I'm not a church leader, I'm not called to be an evangelist. Well, you might not be, but the Bible is very clear and it calls calls all of us that know Christ as Lord and Savior to do the work of an evangelist. There is no excuse for a Christian not to share the gospel. And if we're not sharing, what should that tell us about ourselves? If we're not sharing, what should that tell us? I think it tells us that that for the majority of us, either we really don't believe it, because if we really believe that it's as life-changing as we say it is, certainly we'd be out there telling. If If we had the cure for cancer or the cure for AIDS, would we sit at home or sit in church or sit in our workplace day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, and keep it to ourselves? Absolutely not. But we have got the ultimate cure for for the, the ills of the world, and that's Jesus Christ. But yet, one out of ten of us will share it once in our entire lifetime. That tells me that either we don't really believe it, or we don't care that there are others dying minute by minute and going into an eternal hell. In other words, either we don't really believe it, or we don't care, and we're basically saying all the rest of you can go to hell. And you know the bad part about it is there's probably people here in the congregation this morning that are more upset that I said we're telling people that they can go to hell than the fact that they really are going to hell because we won't tell them about Jesus. We're here also to invite people to Jesus. How often do we invite people to church? You know, it was great last Sunday that we had 225 people. But, I, but as I was riding up the road and I looked back on it and I was thinking how many Wednesday nights we were praying about it, how many Sundays for a month or two before then, I was telling folks, man, be inviting, be, be praying, and be inviting, be praying, and be inviting, be praying, and be inviting. And, then, and that Sunday morning comes and I see maybe two handfuls of people that I've never seen before. And that's from both churches. I'm probably going to make some folks aggravated this morning, too. And I don't mean to, but it's just the truth. And it's not only a matter of not inviting folks. I know we had folks that weren't there because, well, we're, we're having it at the elementary school. I don't want to go here. I don't want to go there. We're, we're having a combined service. I don't want to have to sit through the translations. By the way, we were done by, what, five minutes to 12, Sunday morning? I don't want to sit through the translation. Or, to me, even worse than this, well... I realize Easter Sunday is the day that we celebrate Jesus rising from the grave, but, but I, I always use that for family time. And our family just gets together and, you know, Jesus knows we love Him. We don't have to be, be at church on, on Sunday, even Easter Sunday. And, and we've got nothing to do with Christ, uh, the one that we say we love with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength on the very day we celebrate His resurrection. When we're called to invite people to Jesus. How often do we invite folks to church? If we don't invite them or if we seldom invite them, is it, because we, is it really because we don't really believe what we say? Because if we did believe, really believe what we say, we would have a burden for the lost out there. But maybe the problem is we feel that our earthly discomfort is somehow, some way greater than the eternal pain that people are going to feel when they're in hell. And just think of that for a minute. Man, if I share, that's really uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable to me. I really, I really, I don't feel good. I could do my John Boehner invitation right now for any of y'all that watch the news, but I won't. But like, I don't want to, because what, what do they say, no? Or well, what if they laugh at me? Or, or I just don't feel comfortable doing it. Did really? I mean, think about it for a minute. Really? Does that hurt? Is that hurt anything in comparison to the hurt and the torment that people are going to be going through for eternity? Because they don't accept Christ as Savior. The Bible tells us it'll be, they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. They'll be in complete darkness. The worm will eat but not consume. The flame will burn and not devour. And on top of that, people will have an eternity of memories, of remembering every time they had an opportunity to come to know Christ and didn't do it. And we're uncomfortable with somebody laughing at us. And so because of that, we won't share Jesus or invite Him to church though we're all responsible for our own decisions, there might be people going to hell in part because we couldn't be bothered with even inviting them to church. And then on that roll, I'm on a roll this morning, why is it that some of us can't or even won't invite people to church? Why is it that some of us won't even take a couple business cards or tracts that we hand out at the end of the service during the week and just hand it out and invite somebody. And I've even seen folks that, that don't want to take the cards when they're back there but they catch me out of the corner of their eye and figure I'm looking at them so they go on ahead and take a card. Well, if you're doing it just because you don't want me to think ill of you or if you feel guilty because I see you and you put them in your, your wallet or your pocketbook or your pocket with no intention of doing it, why even take them? Why even take them? We're left here to invite people to Christ. We're left here to honor Christ also with the way we make our decisions. As Christians, how do we make our day-to-day decisions? How do we decide, do I want to take this job? Do I want to get transferred? Do I want to buy this house? What college am I going to go to? Who am I going to marry? As Christians, we're supposed to make our decisions based on the Word of God, but, but how many of us, how, how many of us do we make our decisions based on the wisdom of the world? Well, this is what my lost friend tells me, this is what my lost boss tells me, this is what my lost family member tells me. This is what Dr. Phil tells me. This is what Oprah tells me. This is what Ellen tells me. And you see how popular they are. There are more people watching their shows than go to church on Sunday. They must they must have something. And we listen to them instead of going to God's Word. Do you go to prayer? Do we go to prayer before we act on something? Do we go to the Scriptures and pray, before again, before we make not just major decisions, but sometimes daily decisions in my life? Does God care what color socks we wear? No. Okay? But yet at the same time, there are so many decisions. And I'm guilty of that sometimes. Some of these day-to-day decisions, I just think, you know what? This is the way I've always done it. And I do it. And then either I mess up, it messes up, or by the grace of God it turns out right, but I get convicted. Why, why didn't you take that to God before you acted on that? How different could perhaps could things have been, John, if you'd have gone to God first? Do we make decisions based on the world? Do we make decisions or do we go to God and pray before we act on something? Before we make a decision, do we ask somebody more mature in the faith than we are? Because remember, God uses other Christians to speak to us. We just need to make sure when other Christians speak to us, what they speak to us lines up with what God's Word says. Had a lot of folks asking me, little, little, real little rabbit chase. Had a lot of folks asking me, uh oh. Had a lot of, I've had a lot of folks asking me about this new movie that's come out, Heaven is Real. And they've asked me, well, Pastor, what do you think about this? Well, what, what I've got to say about it is what we know of heaven comes out of this book. And if you see any kind of movie that tells you things that don't match up with the Bible or that aren't even mentioned in the Bible, you need to question that. And I was reading, uh, reading an article by John MacArthur the other day, and, and I'd never thought of this this way, but it, it hit home. Everybody in the Bible, number one, we don't read of anybody in the Bible dying and coming back to life and talking about what heaven was like. Number two, anybody in the Bible that got a glimpse of heaven, when they spoke about it, the attention wasn't centered on them. The intention was centered on God. And on his holiness, and on what heaven was like, Amen. and so just from those criteria right there, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not doubting that this little boy saw things. But w- w- what I believe is that even at four or five years old, his daddy's a pastor, so he was in church all the time. Even at three, four, five years old, your mind picks things up. And, and what I believe, I believe that the boy's sincere, but I believe what he saw was subconsciously, his mind was going back to things that he that he had heard and things that he had learned growing up. Because again, if you hold a biblical account of what heaven is like, to, to any, and not just this little boy, but any of these folks that have claimed to have had near-death experiences, none of it matches up with the Bible. This little fella talked about people having halos, people having wings, the Holy Spirit looking blue. How can a spirit, the Bible tells us that God... And the Holy Spirit, are exactly that, spirits. How can a spirit, something you can't see, have a color? And again, I'm, 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 not, I'm not running down this little boy. What I'm saying is, is that we need to, everything needs to be filtered through the Scriptures. Yeah. Lastly, I think this is lastly. We are here, we're left here to point people to Christ by the way we help them. We're here to point people to Jesus by the way we, we help others. And again, celebrate recovery if, 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 if people are, are, are working that ministry the way it needs to be worked. I even hate to use that word, worked. We're bearing each other's burdens, sharing each other's burdens, and, and, and counseling people with godly counsel, drawing hopefully drawing them closer to Jesus. We're here to point people to Christ, by the way, we help each other, which begs the question, do you give correct counsel when somebody comes to you and they ask you for advice or for counsel or for information? Do you give correct, in other words, do you give biblical counsel? Is what you tell somebody else, well, this is what God's word says about what you're dealing with. One of the things that bothers me the most as a pastor are Christians who give people worldly counsel instead of God's word. I had a couple when I was over at Zion, I've shared this with you before, that I was dealing with this husband and wife and they were they were they, they were having marriage problems, they were looking at getting divorced, but they wanted to come to me. They asked me if I'd meet with them. Well, that was all well and good. They were meeting with me and I was telling them what the scripture says and, and what steps they needed to, to, to go through before they, they were even would, would even really consider divorce. But what would happen is they'd see me on a Monday on a Thursday or Friday, they would meet with another couple in our church that taught Sunday school, as a matter of fact. And when they got with them, their, their counsel was, hey, life is too short to be miserable. Go on ahead and cut the cords. Go on ahead and get the divorce. And go on ahead and, and, and get your life started. Because after all, God wants you to be happy. Folks, there's nowhere in this book, and I'm not trying to be making, but there's nowhere in this book where God says He wants us to be happy. He says he wants us to be holy. Amen. And when we're holy and we're faithful and we're obedient, God gives us peace and contentment, which is better than happiness because happiness is based on, our ex- on, on the external things. Right. Peace and contentment come from inside and only God can give that. But here, I was working with these, these folks for, for six or seven weeks and, and, and they're going to this other godly couple and they're getting 180 degrees out of, out of what I was sharing with them. And what they were giving them was unbiblical counsel, unbiblical advice. And what we need to realize is that those saved Christians will be judged. We're going to stand in front of God one day and we're going to be judged. Not judged from depart from me or or, come in, but we're going to be judged based on rewards. We're going to be judged by every word that comes out of our mouths. We're going to be judged for every bit of counsel we give to people. We're going to be judged for, for every incident where we deny Jesus Christ by our thoughts, our words, our actions, our counsel. And the bottom line is, if you're here today, any of us, including me, and, and you, we're not going to, going to give counsel or advice or an opinion that's not in line with the Word of God, the best thing we can do is keep our mouth shut right. because we're causing more problems. Than than, than what we're solving. And it doesn't matter what worldly wisdom says. It doesn't matter what popular culture says. It doesn't matter what psychology says. If it doesn't line up with the word of God. We don't need to say it. Because God's word doesn't operate on any of that. God's word operates on thus saith the Lord. Why are we here? We're here to have more than good manners and to be moral we're here to live out the Bible we're here to share the gospel we're here to invite people to Jesus we're here to honor Christ with the way we make our decisions we're here to point people to Christ by the way we we help others that's why we're here we're here to point people to Jesus Christ and the good news of the gospel and if we truly believe it's good news why are we not doing a better job of living it out and getting the word out. Maybe I should have that reversed while we're not doing a better job of getting the word out and then living it out. <coughs> Heads are bowed and <coughs> eyes are closed, please.